It started with his brother Andrew. Actually, we'd probably have to back up a little bit further than that because it started with John. John the Baptist. John was going around everywhere. He was, he was preaching and getting people to get baptized in the Jordan River. He thought that they should, be, uh, they should confess their sins. They should repent. Baptism should be a representation that they've been forgiven and that they're, they're going a new way. He was preaching that the Messiah was coming, and very soon he was actually the one that the prophet said was going to come first and, and clear the way. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes to John the Baptist, and he says, I need to be baptized. Well, John said right away, actually, no, like, I need to be baptized by you. I've been clearing the way, but Jesus says, no, this is so that everything will be fulfilled. And so John baptizes him right there in the Jordan River. And what happened next? A voice from heaven, the father speaking, saying, this is my son whom I love dearly. And like a dove, the Holy Spirit descended and rested on Jesus, confirming that he was the Messiah. And then John, he testified saying, that you know what, the one who will come and the dove, like a, a Holy Spirit will descend like a dove on him, that's, that's the one, he's the true Messiah. And so John went around testifying this. Well, Andrew, Simon's brother, he was following, he was one of the disciples of John and many people went to John to hear him preach and to be baptized and to see this new thing that was coming. They had no idea what it would look like, but all of a sudden, as John was, was speaking, Andrew and another disciple, they heard him point to Jesus and say, look, there is the Lamb of God. He's the one that takes away the sin of the world. Well, Andrew wanted to start following Jesus, and so he literally stalked him. He started walking with the other disciple, and then Jesus turned around and said, what do you want? And they were like, um, Rabbi, where are you staying? And it kind of meant teacher, you know, where, where are you staying? Where are you going to live tonight? You know, where are you going to lay your head? And so he said, come and see. So the guys, they follow Jesus. Well, Andrew, he's got his brother in mind, Simon. And so he goes and he finds Simon. He's got his own fishing boat. And he says, look, we've found the Messiah. You've got to come and see. And so what happens next? Well, as Peter is going to be introduced to Jesus, we know him as Peter, but at that moment, his name was Simon. But Jesus, looking intently at him, said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas. And in Aramaic, that means rock, and, and in Greek, it, Petros means rock. So Peter is how we think of him. Sometimes we say Simon Peter, but in that moment, everything changed. A little bit later, this Simon, Simon Peter, he had his own boat, and Jesus had crowds of people coming to hear him, coming to hear him preach and teach, and everyone was excited. Well, there were so many people coming, they were pressed up against him on the shore. And what did he do? Well, he looks to Simon Peter, and he says, Simon, would you take me out in your boat just a little bit? I think I can teach from there. I can sit, everyone can see me and hear me. And so Simon does what Jesus asks, and so he says, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take you out. Jesus teaches. I'm sure it was wonderful as all his teaching is. But then when he was finished, he said, now would you take the boat out just a little bit further? 
where it's deeper? And then would you let your nets down? Well, Simon said, well, master, like, we've literally tried fishing all night. We caught nothing. Like, there's, there's nothing we can do. But because you said so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And so he takes the boat out deeper. He lets the net down. Do you know what happened? There was more fish than they could handle. So they had to call the other guys, some of their colleagues in another boat, and they came over and the nets were ready to tear and, and, and it seemed like the boat was going to capsize. And then Peter got really scared and he actually got on his knees in that boat. He said, oh Lord, I'm far too much of a sinner for you to be near me. Go away from me. Because he was awestruck that what happened, he knew in that moment this, this one that, John told Andrew about and Andrew told Peter about is literally the Messiah and he was moved. But Jesus, he, he said, don't be afraid because I'm gonna show you how to fish for people. You've been a fisherman, you have your own boat, but you're actually gonna lead in a different way. And so that's, that's how that story went. And so this Simon, Peter, Simon really means read, and if you think of it in, in the water, which he was accustomed to, what would it do as the waves went back and forth? It would kind of move back and forth and so, sort of, you could picture Simon's life being like that from time to time. But Peter means rock. Peter is solid. And Jesus was making a statement about that. Well, there was lots of scenes on the water as we looked at this summer. Well, another scene was that the guys were sent ahead in their, in their boats, uh, the 12, they called themselves. They were going ahead. Jesus wasn't with them. But at night, somehow they look and they think it's a ghost, but it's Jesus walking on the water. I mean, I would be scared. And these guys, these fishermen, these grown men, they were terrified. But as he got closer, he said, don't be afraid. And so Simon Peter, he's at the edge of the boat. He's standing there and he says, well, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to come to you on the water. He says, all right, all right, come. And so what happens? Well, Simon's like, okay. He often speaks first. That's a blessing and a curse for some people. But what did he do? Well, he took a step out. And sure enough, because the Lord told him to come, he went. He was standing on the water. But you know what happened next? Instead of looking straight ahead at Jesus, he started worrying about the wind and the waves and he got frightened again. What happened? He started to sink. And so he yelled out, Lord, save me. And so Jesus reaches, grabs his hand. They end up back in the boat safe and sound. But all of a sudden he asks, like, why didn't you have enough faith? What, what's the problem? See, there was all this evidence for Simon, Simon Peter, to see that Jesus really is the Messiah, really is the one that he said that he is. But in that moment, he went back to being Simon. He wasn't Peter in that moment. So many other things happened. There was one time that um, Jesus had been teaching and there were thousands of people, men, women, children, all coming to hear him teach. And uh, what happened was it, it got to the point where it's like, well, we can't send these people away now to go find food elsewhere. Like we need to figure out some solution. And Jesus just says to the guys, like, well, feed them. You, you do it. And they're like, there's no way that we have enough for that. We, you know, it's too late to order pizza. It's too late to get Chinese food and all of that. But they found this boy, right, that had 
several loaves, a couple fish. I mean, it wasn't enough for the 12. Yet, what Peter remembers is after they were all fed, he was left with a doggy bag. And so he leaves thinking, okay, well, I didn't go hungry and neither did any of these people because of Jesus. Time after time, Simon realized that he could be Peter, he could be who Jesus said that he is. There was actually a moment where Jesus, he was teaching again, and it was a really difficult teaching, and so many people, they didn't understand. Many times he was misunderstood, but what happened in this situation, a lot of people, they literally, they turned their back and they, they went away. And Jesus looks at his guys, and he looks at Peter, and he says, are, are you going to leave too? Simon Peter says to him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that bring life. There was another moment, another situation. John says that it was actually when Andrew introduced Simon to Jesus, that's when he was first called Peter. And I I think it was. But there was this other situation where, you know, there were rumors. Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And it was kind of this trick question. Or it was a layered question, we'll put it that way. Who do other people say is kind of how it was phrased. Well, you know, some call you Elijah or one of the prophets, or some people even thought maybe John the Baptist raised from the dead, something like that. He's like, okay, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter looked at him intently, and he said, you are the Messiah, you're the Lord. You're the, the chosen one. You, you are who you say you are. Jesus looked back at him and said, you're right, and upon this rock, that statement, that person, the whole faith in, in Jesus himself, upon that, I'm gonna build my church. The gates of hell will not stand against it. So again, he goes from being Simon to a little bit more Peter, but there was this interesting uh, situation where they're ready to have the Passover meal together. We think of it as the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, which we're gonna participate in a little bit later, but something unusual happened before that, something that rabbis wouldn't do, masters wouldn't do, and and maybe you've heard the joke, uh, we've had a dog now for for five years as of Friday, and, and it's kind of a silly thing to think that you'll Uh, walk with a dog leading you, and there's moments where you have to actually pick up after them if you follow my drift. Well, people joke about if someone was visiting from another planet, they might wonder who's in charge, given that situation. But we need to be reminded that humility and, and serving does not equal weakness. And so in this situation, Jesus actually, he wraps a towel around himself, he has a basin and he gets down in a humble position and he starts to wash Simon Peter's feet. Simon's not having it. He's like, Lord, you're not gonna do that to me. Like, you're my master. You can't do that. And he's like, no, this, this must be done and you need to do this for one another. And so as he's washing, he's like, well, how about my head, my hands? Like, are you gonna do the whole deal here? Let's do this. And he says, no, 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 you don't need that. But but it's, it's starting with your feet, and we know that blessed are the feet 
of the people who bring the good news. And so he's cleansing him for a journey that he didn't even know uh, when it would end. And so it continues. And they take part. They take the bread. They take the cup. He doesn't know the full significance yet, but, but Peter's realizing the significance of the one who washed his feet and then broke the bread and offered and shared the cup with him. But unfortunately, just after that, something else a little bit strange happens. Jesus says to Simon, who said that he was willing to go and even die with him, they knew something was approaching. They didn't know exactly what it would mean and that it would be the very next day. But Simon says, no, I'm, I'm willing to go wherever you send me. I'm willing to go and even die. And Jesus says, die for me? No, before the rooster crows three times, you're, you're going to deny me. Peter's like, I would never do that. And a little bit later, you fast forward and Jesus is, is taken and there's this kind of mock trial happening and uh, Simon's warming himself out by this fire. Well, there's this girl, probably a teenager. She's a servant and she hears his accent. He must have been speaking to someone and he's like, you're a Galilean. No, trying to hide his accent, right? No, you, you know Jesus. No, I don't even know the man. He denied him. Well, someone else that recognized him from the night before and everything that went on, he says, no, no, you were with Jesus. You're, you're one of the 12. No, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't know him. And as he hears a rooster crow that morning, Simon weeps bitterly, realizing he just betrayed the one that cared for him so much. A little bit later that day, they're standing. People couldn't miss it. People were all there. People come from far and wide to the Passover, and they're there in Jerusalem. There's tent cities, and, and people came realizing what was happening, just kind of on the outskirt on this rock. Jesus is on a cross. There's two others beside him. Simon, a lot of the guys... Jesus' own mother is, is watching and thinking, it's, it's over. This is it. Simon's thinking, I think I still have that fishing boat. I guess I'll go back to work after the Sabbath, of course, but I, I need to go back to that. So there's a couple days where no one really knows how to put together the last few days, the last few years. Simon had been following this rabbi he wasn't actually good enough to follow any rabbi, but this rabbi, who usually they don't go out and, and, and choose someone in this way. Someone else tries to get their rabbi to, to teach them and to lead them, but, but this was a different one. And no, Simon was taking the family trade and, and he worked really hard to have his own boat, his own business, and he was partners with James and John, sons of Zebedee. So they would work together, and, and that's what they knew. And so he was going to go back to that. But something strange happened. Sunday morning, women went to the tomb. Women went first in this. And even though some might not believe them, they realized that Jesus, he wasn't in there. Now that's kind of a terrifying thing. I mean, he was placed there. But he wasn't there anymore. What, what would someone do? Why, what kind of a trick would someone play? But 
these angels and, and really these people bringing a message from God said like, no, he isn't in here. He is risen. And they're shocked with the news. I mean, excitement, but also they're kind of terrified that what does that even mean? Well, they let the guys know, including Peter, who just denied the Lord. John and Simon Peter, they actually race. We won't talk about who won, but, but Peter goes in and he sees the, the linens, the cloths. The, the, he sees it all kind of folded up and he's trying to make sense in his mind and, and, and this, this covering that was over the Lord's face. He sees that as well and he's like, you know, he, he's not here. It's like, that's what we told you, right? The women were right. And so, they're, they're not really sure what that means, but then they hear, well, no, remember, he told you you're supposed to go to this place. And so they go back to Galilee and they need to wait for him there. Well, maybe it was just to kill time. Maybe they were hungry, but the guys were out in a boat and they were trying to catch fish again. And then all of a sudden, they see someone on the shore. They didn't have to ask, but they knew it was Jesus. And so Simon, what does he do? Well, he dives in overboard and he swims to shore. It's a few hundred yards. The rest of the guys are like, I mean, I'm not going to get wet. So they're rowing themselves in. But, but Simon had to go back to the one that he betrayed. And all of a sudden, there's all of this fish and they're able to broil it. And I don't know if you realize, but ghosts can't eat fish. And they see the Lord have this, this fish. It doesn't just fall to the ground. He has it. Just like they've had meals before, Simon Peter remembers that doggy bag. And all of a sudden he realizes, no, I, I saw this man die, but he is risen. He starts to remember everything that he said. And then Jesus gathers the guys and he says, listen, first I need you to stay. I need you to actually go back to Jerusalem and start there. You need to wait. I'm about to ascend, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. They didn't really know in fullness, what that would mean until the day of Pentecost. But he said, first you're going to stay, but then you're going to go. You're going to spread news from Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, meaning everywhere and anywhere. And so they, they listen, and, and they're, they're waiting, and they realize they have to go and make disciples. And sort of part of that message that, that John the Baptist shared with, with Andrew when he was first a disciple of his, baptism and repentance and forgiveness of sins, and all of a sudden now it's in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Spirit. So they had to wait because they needed to know who is the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? And so Jesus, he, he ascends, and again an angel tells him, okay, you've, you've heard the man. He's going to be back the same way that he came, but first you need to go back to Jerusalem, and so they go and they wait, and something amazing happens. The Holy Spirit comes, and the church is truly born, and, and this brings us to uh, this passage where, actually, before we read that passage, Peter, this Simon Peter, who was kind of back and forth, he was sometimes like a weak reed, and sometimes he was solid. Well, now filled with the Holy Spirit, he preaches this message to everyone, explaining what had happened both from Scripture and from experience and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And he kind of wraps up the message saying, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Well, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And so Peter replied, and it sounds very similar to John the Baptist, to what Jesus was preaching, and now Peter is extending it in a very clear way. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The end of the chapter says that all those who believed and were baptized were added to the church that day. It was around 3,000 people. And so they had to start there because they had to, to gain with people who had seen and they needed to understand what Jesus was doing. And here's our, our, our main passage is that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need and they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's when the church could literally be one and meet in one place. That's how it started. Things were, were stirred up. The things that Jesus said would happen all of a sudden were happening. And so if you think about the story from Andrew being asked to come and see, he started in this first chair and there's these four chairs that we think about in this journey of, of really he started at, at come and see, a seeker. And Jesus himself kind of said, yeah, you're wondering where I'm staying? Well, just come and see, follow me, you know, let's see what's happening. Well, what happened next is he actually asked Simon to come and see his own brother. And then there's this point of follow me. Are you actually going to follow me? Jesus would ask. But it doesn't end there. It gets better. As you remember in the boat, Peter's on his knees feeling awestruck by what happened and also like, this, this person, I, I'm not really worthy to be near him, but, but Jesus has something else in mind. He says, no, don't be afraid. From now on, I'm going to show you how to fish for people. He becomes a worker. And obviously, when they had to wait before they could go, he's telling them, you're going to bear much fruit. And what that means is you're going to make disciples You've become a disciple who's going to make a disciple, and that disciple's going to make a disciple, and that's why we're here today. And so this is, we're all in, in one seat or another, and many people start, and it's great, and sometimes it takes a brother to invite us in to be introduced to Jesus, but we're not meant to stay there. We're meant to actually move into the next chair when Jesus says, follow me. Well, that's a start, and so now we're a believer, but it can't stay there. It's actually, follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And so you actually end up moving into the next chair. And that's not enough, actually. It's to bear much and lasting fruit. And so we move over there. And that's why we've been going through this for so long. And this is the series we're in. I love my church. And so in between, 
a couple of the chairs, in between the, the first two, which isn't shown yet, is, is that you start to love your king. Jesus is the master. He really is. He's the Messiah. We call him king. But then you grow to love your own church as Jesus loves his church and gave his life for us. But it can't stay there either. Then you have to actually move and love your city, the community you're in and beyond to the ends of the earth. And it expands like concentric circles. And so maybe we've been a believer who says, yeah, when Jesus says, follow me, I'm going to follow him. I believe him. But maybe like Simon, you, you continue to waver on actually obeying him and not denying him. But he's calling us to something greater. Worker is, is just a title that Dr. Dan Spader gave to those chairs. But to us, it's, I love my church. Well, Jesus is the head of the church. How can you not love his body? And so there's this challenge to go on and, and to do that. And so it starts, though, with, with coming to see and, and just checking him out, but then falling in love with this one who can do these great things. And it doesn't end there, but it expands. And as we, we trust him and then we realize we have to bring more people in, just like Andrew went after his brother Simon and said, I, we've found the Messiah how would you put it in your own words to, to come and, and see and then trust to follow me as Jesus puts that out to us? Well, we're going to take part in the Lord's Supper just after a, a song. Um, but again, as we've been learning last week, this is really a moment where there's communion between us and the Lord. And the, the, the team will joke about the papal blessing that, that happens over and over. And last week, I think there was a ticker on how many times. But it truly is this connection between us and the Lord and then us and each other. Not just us and each other, not just us and the Lord, but both. And so we have the opportunity in a few moments to, to gather and to be around the table. And even though we go back to our, our seats, we're participating in, in this thing that's set up and and the church has continued it in churches like this, in homes, online, depending on the situation in the last few years. But we continue this thing that was instituted. And, and Simon Peter was there to witness it firsthand with very clean feet. Well, Peter wrote this letter a little bit later. And, and the team's going to come and, and, and prepare and get ready before we wrap up. But um, what I think is, is beautiful about this is um, Peter... Not Simon, it's the letter from Peter. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, he really finally realized as Jesus once looked intently at him and said, no, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, rock. You're gonna be solid. He writes, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ, you have come to trust God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere loves to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, 
but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. That we should respond to the good news, the news that brings great joy, that when Jesus says, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near, so repent of your sins and and believe in the good news. That's not negative at all. The time is here and the kingdom is near. Repent would mean we're going in one direction and we actually need to turn, not 360 and back to where we started, that's getting carried away, but we're needing to turn from this, not to nothing, but to someone, turning to God for the forgiveness of our sins, representing that with, with baptism to show that we've been forgiven, we've been cleansed by the Lord. So it starts on a journey of Will you come and see? And then when you respond to the gospel and respond to that call of of Jesus to say, follow me, and you take him up on that, that's the start of this thing we call the discipleship process. The beginning of giving our whole selves, our whole lives to King Jesus. So you respond, you confess your sin, you're forgiven by him because of what he's done and he promised that he would do so. And then what's next? Well, you need to get baptized. And so if you haven't been baptized in less than a month's time, we're going to have the opportunity right in here. We're not going down to the river, although we could. We're going to get baptized. And then if you've done that, it doesn't end there either. I mean, what do you do next? I mean, hopefully you start to learn to pray and you you read the Bible and you come and you fellowship and you take part in the Lord's Supper And hopefully you start to love one another and serve one another. Hopefully um, you take on the the same generosity of of, of Jesus and the same generosity of this early church. And we give to the Lord. We give to each other. we, We give to the needs. We love Atlantic. But it has to start with loving our king and then loving our church and then we love our city and then we can't contain it anymore. We love our province, we love our, our country, I guess. We love our continent, we love, you know, it expands outward. But as that process continues, there's actually something for all of us to go from one chair to the next or from one little, little piece of the puzzle to the next. And so if there's something that you haven't done, what is that thing that you're holding back? Are you being a little bit more like Simon but he's calling you to be Peter, you can, you can, you can actually take that as he looks intently at you and says, come and see. But that's not all he says, he says, follow me. That's not all he says either, he says, follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. And then he says, no, if you stay a part of me, I'm the true vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me, you need to go and bear much fruit and lasting fruit. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to go into all the world. Father, we thank you for this gospel message. We thank you for the way that you've set people in our path to point us toward you. And so now, would we recognize that, and as we get ready to come to your table, would we be reminded of your sacrifice, not just for the forgiveness of our sins, but 
but, but so much more, a, a new life that doesn't actually fade away, something that lasts forever. And would we be mindful of those who also need that good news? Would we be mindful of those who uh, we need to love? And would you put it upon us to um, be challenged in if there's a, a seat we haven't yet moved over to, would, would that be a next step for us? If there's something that we've been waiting to do and we feel you're prompting now, would we be obedient in this moment? Help us to love you with our whole heart, but also help us to love each other as you have loved us. And so we just offer this time as we remember, as we think back to that moment just after you washed the disciples' feet and it was really the last meal you, you had with them in this way, the last Passover meal. And now we take it on to remember the sacrifice that your body was broken for us, your blood was shed for us, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.